This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, Friday afternoon, October 21st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Thanks, Ann. We'll check in with you at 1223. Netflix is getting ready to limit password sharing. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, shares of Snap and those of Twitter are tumbling today. Let's find out why from Gary Kultbaum, president of Kultbaum Capital Management based in Orlando. Gary, thanks for joining us today. Before we talk about uh, Elon Musk's uh, plans to uh, uh, do a major uh, slim down at Twitter as far as the workforce, is concerned. Uh, what's troubling Snapchat these days, at least as far as investors are concerned? Well, pretty simple. Four quarters ago, revenue growth 42, three quarters 38, uh, two quarters ago 13, and this quarter six. And something in their business called average revenue per user keeps going down every quarter. And that's very worrisome. Plus, as you know, there's tremendous competition for people's eyes and ears. And uh, this is how you get a same things happening with Facebook and Instagram also. And uh, just stunning drop, uh, 90 percent in in one year for this company. The uh, online ad marketplace, as you said, is tough for everybody, not just Snapchat. Is it the new privacy features on Apple devices that's weighing down on online advertising or is it just the online advertising marketplace itself? Well, Apple didn't help, but uh, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, and who knows what else is out there that, uh, you know, people are flocking to. Again, tremendous competition. I always talk about the same thing in the television arena. How many networks and channels uh, can there be? Security review, Twitter among them. And then uh, Musk also considering cutting Twitter's workforce by 75%. Now, there had been a great deal of discussion about uh, uh, Musk taking over Twitter and making it more of a profit engine, but it sounds like uh, th- this is a, a hedge fund activity. Does the potential exist that uh, Musk, uh, once he does buy Twitter, could uh, strip it and sell it? Uh, I think anything's possible with him. On Monday, it's one thing. On Tuesday, it's the next thing. I can tell you the five days of this week, I was thinking one day it's not getting done. The next day it is getting done. Now, all of a sudden, the national security enters good, uh, but he's got deep pockets. And where this, uh, you know, wheel of fortune uh, ends up, I, I really don't know, except I'm not playing it either way. Gary Kulpbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management, based in Orlando. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Netflix has been threatening to limit the practice of password sharing for quite some time. Now the company appears poised to take action. Let's get an update from Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group, based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us. This Remember that uh, Netflix is uh, a worldwide enterprise, and by the latest data that I've seen, 
something on the order of, I think it's like 220, 222 million paid accounts uh, exist today. Households or, or users are out there that are freeloading or, or sharing or, or otherwise not paying for the service. So even if they were able to make some kind of dent, if you will, or additional revenue from those estimated 100 million additional users, um, fraction of them. What is the most common form of password sharing, at least inside the Netflix universe? Yeah, I mean, um, as most people know, we're Netflix subscribers, right? Uh, there is a, uh, uh, you log in and then you're able to add, uh, I don't know if it's unlimited, but it's a certain number of profiles, right? So uh, your child uh, has one profile and you have another one, your, your spouse may have another one. And, and largely that's, not uh, to restrict content, although there are some restrictions for, for younger audiences uh, uh, as a, as a, a fail-safe for uh, protecting kids from content issues. Uh, but it is uh, more of a personalizable and or uh, a recommendational kind of uh, device and, and function. Um, the, uh, in, in essence, it really doesn't much matter, right? Um, I think um, the, the challenge is people using those passwords and not caring about those profiles. And that's kind of why it's been uh, relatively, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, usable uh, uh, process for people to, to get access. But what, what, what Netflix is testing right now, and a lot of people are thinking is going to happen, is uh, one of the ways is to uh, entice people who don't pay to take their um, their profiles with all their recommendational uh, stuff and they're uh, previously watched and, and those kinds of things as uh, to a new subscription, meaning can we incentivize people who don't pay to take their profile from their, uh, shall we say, pilfered account and use that as an enticement to register for their own independent paid for account? Um, that remains to be seen, but that's what they've been testing. Now, the, the, it seems like the most common form of password sharing, as you mentioned, is like inside families, where maybe uh, you had kids who got their own profiles under the children's uh, banner, you know, six or seven years ago. Now they've grown up. Now they're in college. Now they're in high school. And one would assume old enough to pay for it on their own, but they're still using the family service. Or you have an extended family and different relatives are taking advantage of the uh, Netflix account that you're paying for because you're borrowing a another password from somebody else's account. So how do right. we, how do yeah. they, they kind of crack down on this intra-family sharing? And if it's successful, will other streaming services uh, follow suit? Yeah, I, look, there's also a part of this which has not been sort of formally announced. The idea of, of restricting or potentially incentivizing a profile transfer uh, is one thing, and maybe there's some value to that for certain consumers. But I think what you're hinting at, and maybe as part of their still evolutionary process is, you know, when a family has people that leave, like kids go to college and that kind of stuff, they're actually physically leaving the proximity of the household, right? They're going to another state, another city or whatever it is. Um, I can't not imagine that Netflix will not try to additionally try to figure out some kind of IP address situation where it will know whether said uh, subscription is being accessed from outside the original household's geography. I, I honestly think that that's part of their crackdown over time. So far, no announcement yet, and they have been testing some of that, but 
for now, they have not. Uh, I think they, they can easily whittle away a few million of those non-paying subscribers by just the profile thing. Um, but I, I can't imagine they won't get into geography at some time in the near future. And this is not necessarily a new problem faced by the streaming services. Others have t- promised to crack down on password sharing and nothing really has become of it. Uh, eight years ago, I seem to recall doing a segment about how HBO Go, back when it was called HBO Go, was going to go after password sharers and nothing really became of that. So there's a good possibility that the uh, the Netflix password sharing crackdown just could end up on the pile of discarded streaming initiatives. Yeah, well, look, when you're growing, uh, as Netflix was for the last 10, 15 years, uh, it doesn't much matter because it's just growth, right? Now they've grown so big, now they have to actually reclaim some of that and they actually get some revenue from that. So I think you'll see the other streamers do the same thing and follow very fast uh, thereafter, similar to what Netflix is going to try to do. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in this Entrepreneur Friday, a homegrown optical chain continues to expand. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and in this segment, we're updating the story of a Chicago optical business that we've been keeping an eye on for a few years. Let's check in with Michael Kogelis, co-owner of Big City Optical, based in Chicago. You hear the commercials right here on WBBM. They're nestled in your neighborhood, and he's nestled on the phone right here on WBBM. Michael, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Talk about the story of your company's growth. Uh, How many locations did you start with? and where are you at right now? Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Uh, yes, well, you know, happy to say in the last five years, we have been busy. So we started back in 2017 with a location in the Pilsen neighborhood. And uh, this year, we were able to open three new stores, taking us to 16 stores, and that's in Streeterville, Lincoln Park, and Lincoln Square. But it's been an exciting five years. Now, over the course of five years, what is it about optometry or the eyeglass business uh, that has led to, uh, you obviously see a great area of need, otherwise you wouldn't have expanded as quickly as you have? The need is significant, and I would also add that optometry is one of those medical professions where clients are still looking to walk into a local neighborhood place to ask questions to get some feedback on what they need to do to address any of their um, vision issues or complaints. And uh, there's no better place than to walk into a store where you recognize people because they're there every single day. And as far as the optometrists at the individual uh, locations are concerned, I mean, it, it, the, the selling point is that it's your neighborhood, neighborhood eye shop. So what uh, type of relationships have developed between the optometrists and their customers or patients? You know, for our team, inclusive of our optometrists, it's about um, offering clients advice and answering questions whenever they have them uh, without the need of showing insurance, paying a bill. We do free repairs. We encourage our clients, whether they bought their glasses from us or from somewhere else, to come in, let us do a tune-up. And so I think that access to health care and great advice is what people want. And, you know, when you take care of your neighborhood, they take care of you. The COVID-related school closures are pretty much a thing of the past by now. Uh, How has that return to the classroom over the past uh, 18 months uh, affected your business in terms of parents getting uh, new glasses and contacts for their kids? 
you know, it's been really busy. I, I think parents have a lot of questions around how all that screen time has affected uh, their children's vision. Um, they were doing that uh, during COVID, asking those questions. And then post-COVID, I think that uh, everyone wanted to make sure that their kids were going back into the classroom with great vision. And so, um, you know, they came in for their annual eye exams, bought a new pair of glasses. And, you know, generally speaking, we've found ourselves pretty busy all this year. And then very quickly, are we entering into prime time for uh, your business because uh, a lot of customers have to pay down those flexible spending accounts before December 31st? Yeah, we have a saying in optometry, use it or lose it. So by the end of this year, everyone needs to use their flex spending accounts or any of their vision care benefits, or they just lose them. So now is a great time to schedule schedule some time with your optometrist, uh, use your benefits, and then those flex spending dollars are a great way of taking care of any of your health care needs. Michael Kogelis, co-owner, Big City Optical, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead on this Entrepreneur Friday, carving out a spot in the dog-eat-dog burger business. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Longtime Trump ally Steve Bannon has been sentenced to serve four months in prison for failing to cooperate with the congressional panel. Police in southern Wisconsin investigate a deadly fire. Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the CEO of a local burger chain recognized for its mindful approach to food. The IRS has announced a record increase in contribution limits to 401k and other tax-deferred retirement plans for next year. WDBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 557 points. The NASDAQ is up 146. The S&P 500 is up 59. 65 degrees right now in Chicago under mostly sunny skies, going up to a breezy and warmer 74. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Former Trump aide Steve Bannon has received his sentence for failing to cooperate with the Congressional Committee investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Bannon, who previously called members of the committee gutless, becomes the first person with close ties to former President Trump to be sentenced to prison time and the fallout from the Capitol attack. Trump's former trade advisor, Peter Navarro, is expected to stand trial next month. As for Bannon, the judge said he'll hold off on imposing the sentence while Bannon appeals. Skyler Henry, CBS News, Capitol Hill. Seven people have died in an apartment fire early this morning in the southern Wisconsin community of Heartland. The village's police chief says the cause of the fire at the four-unit apartment complex has not been determined, but an active criminal investigation is underway. Heartland is about 25 miles west of Milwaukee.
The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. It's 12.32. Markets are higher on this final day of the trading week. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager of Macrotides.com, based in San Diego. Jim, thanks for joining us this afternoon. It seems like on this Friday afternoon that the markets are riding high on hopium. Uh, hope that the uh, Federal Reserve is going to uh, slow down the uh, rate of interest rate hikes by the end of the year. Uh, that's exactly right, Rob. Uh, as I wrote this past Monday in my weekly technical review, my expectation was that after the November 2nd meeting that we would start to hear uh, speeches by various FOMC members and begin to raise questions about how fast they were going, the impact on liquidity and financial markets around the world, And things have been really uh, getting tight, if you will, over the last handful of days. This morning, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal using a reporter that has in the past kind of provided tips in terms of what's going on inside the Fed. That article said that, yep, the Fed is actually going to start thinking uh, about potentially increasing the funds rate at something less than 75 basis points at the December meeting. So that's why the markets have responded uh, the way they have. So the next one is uh, three quarters of a percentage point. That's the next one. But then the possibility exists that the one after that is going to be half a point. That is exactly right. You know, so the Fed, according to this article, is struggling with, well, how do we communicate this so the markets uh, don't get uh, carried away? And this brings up an issue I just discussed at length, uh, Rob, in the October uh, macro tides, the issue of forward guidance by the Federal Reserve. I think it does more harm than good, but yet they're going to continue to use it and rely on it. And this is a function of what's happening right now. How do they hint that they're going to downgrade from 75 to 50 without the markets overreacting? It's a, a, a box that they put themselves into. And this is something that, uh, talking about the markets overreacting, this is something that the uh, investors have been screaming for for the past uh, month or so to at some point say, look, we're going to stop and take a breather and see if this uh, interest rate hike regime is going to uh, wreck the economy writ large. And it seems like today, at least, they got their wish. Yes, but I think the the key point that I think the markets continue to miss, Rob, is that what the Fed has communicated is we want to raise the funds rate to a restrictive level and then hold it at that level for all of next year so that the economy slows, even at risk of putting it into a recession. So the street just has this view that, okay, they're going to raise the funds rate into the first quarter, you know, into April, call it, and then start bringing it down. That's not what the Fed has communicated, and I think that'll be another shoe to drop for the market to deal with, uh, you know, down the road a piece. Uh, but right now, you know, happy days are here again because the Fed might slow the pace of rate increases. And uh, on, on top of that, you know, where we are in the fight against inflation, obviously, if you go off of the CPI and the PPI, it's still at a 40-year high. Um, but if you look under the hood, there are, and we might have mentioned this before, yeah. there are various sectors in which uh, you, it does look like uh, some price relief is actually taking place. And uh, you don't want to say we're turning the corner, but uh, the corner appears in sight uh, if you go by just some of the individual sectors. That, as well as just the mathematics, Rob, the CPI is calculated on a 12-month rate of change. So as we get into November, December, and January, they take away whatever the monthly increase was in November, December, and January of this year. And some of those numbers are quite large. 
So as I've written about and posted on my uh, Twitter account, is the CPI in all likelihood will be down close to 5% by the time we get to the end of March of next year. So we're on the cusp of a fairly big drop in the CPI. That will provide the, the cover, if you will, for, for the Fed to get to the point where they stop raising rates. We're not there yet, and as I said before, once they get to that stop place, they're going to hold them there for an extended period of time. And that, I think, you know, is going to be problematic for the economy. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager with MacroTides.com, based in San Diego. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, an epic journey in the burger business. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, sponsored by Industrious. And this afternoon, we're putting the spotlight on the highly competitive burger business in Chicago. We welcome in David Grossman, the CEO of Epic Burger in Chicago. David, Thanks for joining us today. You, 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 you came into the company in 2020, taking over as CEO. Uh, what was that like uh, to come into a major business, a consumer-facing business, uh, during the middle of a global pandemic? Well, it was a real challenge. However, I was aware of Epic's success and Epic's history since they first opened in 2008. I knew the founder, I knew the product, I knew the history, I knew that the product was amazing. And when I came in, um, putting COVID aside right now, which was a huge challenge all in itself, I realized that the company was broken. The company had really been neglected by the previous managing partner and the people weren't engaged, the restaurants weren't kept up. The product actually had changed. They tried to shrink the burger. They shrunk the bun. They put two pickles on a sandwich. They quit putting whipped cream on shake. The website was down. So there were so many things that I recognized that, like, what happened here, I knew I could fix it. I knew I could bring Epic back to the way it was in 2008 and beyond. So it was a challenge, but I believe I fixed it, and now I'm ready to grow it. And then when you come into a situation like that, are the uh, problems that self-evident and the solutions that easy to find? I mean, how much homework did you do coming into the assignment? Um, Not much, honestly. It was really about 60 days. Um, I really met with every single landlord and said, hey, I need some help. And every, all eight of our landlords helped us and helped me uh, make sure that we can take this time and get back on our feet. Obviously, I ate the product. I recognized it wasn't the same. That was really easy to fix. I realized our storefronts weren't activated at the time I came in. was summer of 2020, and not a single restaurant had any outdoor seating, had any umbrellas, had any flowers out front. Like some of the basics that I've done, you know, my entire career uh, weren't being done. And it was pretty easy to identify some of these opportunities and relatively easy to fix. You know, it took a little bit of time, but I think we're there. A lot of the locations for Epic Burger relied on uh, or rely on office workers, tourists, or in the case of Old Orchard, people going to the mall. Um, you talked about how uh, some of these locations didn't have outdoor seating. Um, trying to 
operate a business in places where people might are slow to come back or reluctant to come back or haven't come back in as great a numbers as they did prior to the pandemic. What kind of challenges uh, does that pose to your business? Yeah, pretty significant challenges, obviously. You know, you need customers. You know, you base, you know, your rents and you base everything based on potential volume. And the volume was there um, in most of the locations. Interestingly enough, my two suburban locations, Evanston and Old Orchard that you mentioned, they really benefited from COVID. I think people staying home in the suburbs and not going downtown um, started to visit those two locations more and more. And then some of the other city locations like the Loop and River North and uh, the Gold Coast, because of, like you mentioned, the tourism traffic and the office traffic just wasn't what it was those locations suffered. So it was a real challenge. And then lastly, you know, the, the, the burger space is when there's been a great deal of uh, innovation, a great deal of gimmicks. Uh, you mentioned how you kind of uh, you know, gave, gave the, the whole business kind of a stem to stern redo in uh, 2020. Uh, what can you do now to stay ahead of the Cheval's of the world or the local tavern that has uh, really creative hamburgers? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we certainly never want to stop um, uh, standing in our, in our in the current place. We always want to continue to evolve. Uh, just yesterday, we actually launched in our Evanston location a a device that allows guests to order from a screen. Uh, there's somebody who is sitting in India that has been trained for the last three weeks that knows our menu as good as I do. And they will take your order, process your order, and um, it's been it's been great. So the technology is something that is never gonna is never gonna change. It's never gonna stop, and we always have to adapt. David Grossman, CEO of Epic Burger, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still to come, taking advantage of the new rules for 401k plans. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Some good news for uh, savers. That's because the IRS is changing limits for 401k and other tax-deferred retirement plans effective next year. Let's get the latest now from Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago, the website EngageWealthGroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us today. Is this part of the, uh, the adjustment in tax brackets in response to inflation? Yeah, Rob. Well, you know, while inflation has been a challenge for most of us, this is one of those silver linings, especially when it comes to those saving for retirement and those already in retirement. And again, the IRS just announced record increases in contribution limits to 401ks for those uh, looking to contribute in 2023. Now we are at, uh, at at open enrollment time for many people. Uh, at, you know, no- November, December, at the end of the year. Uh, what are some things you should do uh, as we approach open enrollment time to take advantage of this new benefit? Yeah. So they increased the 401k contributions, 403bs, and most 457 plans up to thirty thousand dollars for those who are age 50 or older. I mean, that's that's a record 10% increase. So if you're looking at your spending plan, one of the great things for your listeners to do as they start considering open enrollment for next year is go through your spending plan, because while inflation has helped with these contribution limits, obviously it's affecting pocketbooks. So from a financial planning standpoint, focus on that spending plan and look to see if you can increase 
those contributions to those plans. Not only do uh, you have an increase in the 401ks and the company plans, but the IRS also increased uh, the contribution limits to IRAs and Roth IRAs. And then uh, we, t- we had this discussion frequently, and that is uh, always make sure you get that company match and take advantage of that if it is available. Does it also sweeten the pot for uh, corporations to uh, increase that match if you do want to uh, sock a little more away? Absolutely. For your listeners, we talk about this all the time. Always maximize the match. Do the best you can. And obviously, if you could put more away, the better. But making make sure you maximize the match because that is free money. And not only does it help, obviously, the employees, but companies who can potentially increase that match or increase that that uh, benefit to the employees, you're going to attract those employees with with better benefit packages. So it's a win-win both for the companies as well as for those who are saving for the future. And what about the uh, savers who want to uh, write off their uh, contributions on their taxes? Yeah, you had just talked about the, the the rising tax bracket limits because as this inflationary pressures are coming, the IRS is also raising the uh, the income limits on when you can contribute to an IRA, whether it's a traditional or a Roth. So those numbers are always moving around. So again, check with your certified financial planner or with your trusted tax professional to see what those maximum contribution limits are and do what you can to maximize those because again, it helps not only today, but well into the future. Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.